Welcome, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, to one of the series of the National Council's uh, briefings on uh, Capitol Hill. Uh, mission is uh, an educational one. Uh, vision is to place this relationship on a firmer foundation uh, than it has been, than it is, and is likely to be. Unless enough good people on both sides uh, work to make it happen, we know it won't happen by accident or by coincidence. It'll happen only if there are enough good people on both sides of conviction, of determination, and the courage of their convictions uh, to commit themselves to this particular vision and this particular mission. And so this is fully in keeping with the mission as well as the, the vision. Uh, few countries uh, in the world, not just among the Arab countries, the Middle East and the Islamic world, are as poorly known or misunderstood as is Qatar. Uh, Twenty years ago, some who are here in the audience, Ambassador Session, for example, uh, Ambassador Cook, Ambassador Theros, can remember that when uh, diplomats were going to the region and they got a call from Washington to come back quickly, the one country they always counseled was Qatar, without exception. It was the one that seemed to be the most marginal, the least important, the most expendable. And that was the case for years and throughout the 1970s. Also, people used to make jokes about the, the empty quarter and the empty cutter uh, there. And then the others were not certain whether cutter was animal, vegetable, or mineral. Uh, fortunately, all of those images of this small but outsized uh, country that uh, packs a global wallet, uh, like Liechtenstein in its own way, or Switzerland in, an, in another way, uh, is increasingly a household word, and, and including the city. Uh, the new city uh, center of development, a mixed commercial residential project, its visionary in the heart of the nation's capital, has some $650 million investment uh, by Qatar, by far more than any other country. In terms of the victims of the disaster in Katrina, uh, no Arab country contributed more in terms of charity, humanitarian, and emergency relief assistance than Qatar, and no country did it in quite the same way. It did not go through the municipality of New Orleans. It did not go through the governor of uh, Louisiana, where perhaps administrative fees would have been skimmed off the top. It went directly to, to the uh, recipients themselves. And Qatar had done the same thing in, in the disaster of Beirut during the month-long Israeli bombing of Lebanon in July of 2006. Uh, so we have a unique pioneering country that uh, many of you want to know more about or have some of its aspects uh, explained. No doubt some of these aspects are controversial, and not least of which would be the Al Jazeera uh, television satellite broadcast uh, network that reaches throughout the, the region and has drawn uh, not as many critics uh, or opponents as its uh, uh, supporters and appreciate it, uh, listeners and viewers, uh, but it certainly has uh, drawn a lot of animosity from those who have felt uh, unjustly targeted or reported on 
are referred to. Uh, that's just one aspect of it. Uh, Qatar sits right in the middle of the six-state Gulf Cooperation Council. It has uh, vast gas resources, the third on, on the planet, and the only one that has a vast unassociated gas field. As most people know, you don't have to be an engineer to know this, that most uh, petroleum that's produced is produced alongside gas. And in the past, it used to be flared at the well here, hence these orange bursts that one would see from the sky, which rendered the gas uh, unusable to industrial or commercial use. Not Qatar, not Kuwait, not Abu Dhabi, not Saudi Arabia uh, anymore. And so the future, near-term, mid-term, long-term, of the increasing industrialization of the six GCC countries uh, would be strategically uh, well-served uh, through Qatar's strategic geographic position and its economic as well as its geological and hydrocarbon fuels uh, wherewithal. Now, our ambassador, who will be a resource person for us to increase our knowledge and understanding and enhance our information and insight about this country, is Mohammed, His Excellency Mohammed Jahan Al Kawari. Uh, this is his 31st year of, of being a diplomat. Um, that's almost a generation. If a generation is measured in terms of 33 years. He attended Portland State University on a scholarship and obtained his degree in political science. He's most recently uh, been for 10 years Qatar's ambassador to France. And uh, for old timers, people are aware that France had a privileged, a special relationship with Qatar. The atmosphere was always receptive in France. The moment was always propitious in France for a close, intimate, strategic working partnership uh, between Paris and Doha. Uh, there's that aspect of it uh, as well. Uh, Qatar is in a difficult situation now in terms of how it's perceived, how it's understood, and how it's uh, misunderstood. Uh, but we have the ambassador who was uh, awarded France's Legion of Honor, France's highest award for excellence, uh, he was accredited to Spain and Portugal, as well as the Holy See and Switzerland during his tenure in uh, France. Please join me in welcoming His Excellency Ambassador Al Kawari. Uh, good morning, everybody. Thank you, John. Old friend, I have known him for almost now. 31 years, and this time I came to Washington. And I am very happy to see a lot of friends here also that I worked with them. Uh, really, it's everybody talk about Qatar is, uh, was, wasn't, uh, uh, known, and Qatar was, uh, geographically small size, and which we had met, we know that Qatar is uh, small geographically, but we know our limit, geographical limit, but we do not know our limit for contribution for humanity. And this is, this is the most important thing for Qatar. Uh, thank you, John, for making me work the last uh, week three times. Since this is the, the third event with you. I am so glad. I really appreciate working with your uh, council. I would like to say just uh, 
my thank to the National Council and U.S.-Arab relation for the invitation to speak uh, with you uh, today. I like also the title you, you put, uh, John Qatar, understood or uh, misunderstood. We live in an uh, age where information is uh, ubiquitous, instant, and accessible. The internet is a vast, borderless network, and it is said that getting information off the internet is like taking a drink from a fire hydrant. And as Carl Sagan said, all the books in the world contain no more information than is broadcast as video in a single large American city in a single year. We have so many contemporary vehicles for communication and free speech, but it does not preclude the potential for mispresentation and misunderstandings. Not all information is of equal value. There are two types of understanding, contrived and uninformed. If there are those who misunderstand Qatar deliberately, then it is a position of or policy with motive not to understand. We seek to correct contrived misunderstandings and hope that those who deliberately misunderstand are open to dialogue. But if it is an uninformed misunderstanding, then in general, Qatar is an open society, appreciative of scrutiny and ready to inform. And if we are to be understood today, then we must be assessed by context of both our international role and regional dynamics, as well as for our efforts to be defined by a mission. Qatar, despite its small geographical size and limited population, have been able to, like what John explained, mobilize its enormous liquefied natural gas resources towards the development of physical and institutional infrastructure. The continual investment in the improvement of education and reinvestment into a diversified, self-sustaining economy. All this we do not only for our citizens and residents, but for the promotion of sustainable development within our Arab national constituency. <coughs> to this end, we share the same ideals that the United States has enshrined in its fu uh, uh, foundational narrative of the human rights, freedom, and of expression, equal opportunities, and the democratic process. Our projects and initiatives are geared towards the empowerment of women, youth development, poverty alleviation, and institution building in the global south. 
our humanitarian and relief efforts amount to around 7% of the annual budget of the state of Qatar, nearly a billion dollars in a government and non-government aid. In order to encourage a society that embraces modernism, we have invited to Doha, the world's most famous Western and Oriental uh, symphonic orchestras. Built, built a museum for a contemporary art, held the Doha Tribeca Film Festival, and convened convene a wide array of conferences, seminars, and dialogue regarding critical global challenges. Our next conference will be Forum of Doha Forum in May 12th. We believe that strong, credible higher education institutions are able to forge ties between countries and cultures, overcome entrenched stereotypes and misperceptions, and inculcate each new generation with progressive democratic values. Pursuant of that belief, we have built an education city that brings together branches of leading American university. Uh, we have uh, six big American universities like Georgetown and uh, Texas University and Cornell and others that each not only Qatari students reach Qatari students but the greater Middle East region. In regards to independent media, Al Jazeera has remained since its uh, inception in, Mel uh, in 1969. I'm, so, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I'm mixing French a little bit. But <laughs> a credible force behind free expression. It has provided a broad audience with what it is motto, the view and the other point of view. Give opposition groups a platform to express their views regardless of government pressure, and has emerged as a brand that is universally recognizable. In terms of relation with our regional neighbors, our 2003 constitution established mediation as a cornerstone to its foreign policy, and we have had a fair share of opportunities to mediate in Yemen, therefore, as well as Eritrea and Djibouti. In fact, as a member of a number of regional and international organizations for the promotion of economic and transitional cooperation in the Middle East, for example, we are a member of GCC, the Arab League, and the United Nations, we view foreign policy as a tool to resolve ethnic, tribal, and sectarian differences. Along that line, Qatar has hosted several reconciliations meeting between Palestinians, brought together Syrian opposition forces in late 2012 in order to better coordinate their resistance against the Assad regime, and intervene in an uh, 18 months deadlock between political parties in Lebanon. Politically stable, 
In a turbulent regime, the role we play is vital for the United States and the West because Qatar is the door to countries and political parties that would be otherwise inaccessible. Lastly, we have built a strong and productive U.S.-Qatar economic relationship, and we have chosen to make the United States a hub for our economic investments. Under the National Vision 2030, we intend to follow a framework for knowledge-based economy, diversifying our economy so that non-hydrocarbon sectors will account for no more than half of Qatar's G GDP by the end of 2015. In view of hosting the 2022 FIFA World Cup, we intend to spend up to $200 billion on infrastructure that will have long-term benefits for both Qatar and our American partners. Among these new projects, we have the construction of a new Hamad International Airport, the expansion of Qatar Airways and Qatar Rail, the new Doha Port, a state-of-the-state-of-art science and technology park, education city, a new investment in ICT infrastructure, and finally, the expansion of the healthcare sector. Globalization is oftentimes followed by assimilation of pre-existing cultures, but safeguarding traditional values and identity remains a crucial factor in preserving a coherent national narrative. It is a privilege to be able to present Qatar here for you so that we may have a sound mutual understanding of our two nations, and I hope that we maintain this relation going forward. And thank you for being here. Um, sure, that, that's, that's good. Uh, we should have left on your chairs the seats thereof, uh, three by five cards uh, for you to uh, write a question, uh, not a statement, and uh, for the question to be rhetorical, not declaratory, uh, and a question that begins with how cannot be answered yes or no, so that gives you a little clue if you were wondering how to phrase your question. Um, some of these questions will be controversial, as is the nature of the reality. We are ready to. <laughs> All right. So uh, Patrick uh, Manzino will join me here, uh, because there, there are more questions than for which we have time. But I'll try to um, uh, ask the more controversial ones, and um, others that are less well known but would increase their uh, knowledge and understanding. Number one, how is Qatar's support of the Muslim Brotherhood in the region's best interest, given the ongoing turmoil across the Arab world? Well, 
Thank you for asking this question. <laughs> Very diplomatic. This is one of the things we have to clarify. You know, this is one of Qatar does not support Muslim brothers. This is something I think we have to say it. I am saying it here in the Congress, American Congress. Uh, what Qatar uh, supported is the democratic process and political process in Egypt. And then there was election, and there was president was elected, so we have to respect this thing. So Qatar has no whatsoever relation with Muslim brothers. Muslim brothers being in Egyptians uh, in Egypt for a long time, they are uprooted in the Egyptian society. They are being in Egypt over 70, 80 years, even before Qatar's independence in 71. So, and they don't need support from Qatar. They are big organization, intellectuals. They are everywhere uh, in Egypt and other countries in the region. So what we supported in Egypt is the democratic and political process. And there was election, there was a president was elected. We regret that this elected president was removed by Kudita. And this is our position, has nothing to do with the Muslim brothers. We know that President Mercy committed probably major errors. And uh, while he was president, but we see there's the sinful errors from other side to remove, remove an elected president. So this thing, I think we should clarify our position. Muslim brothers, they are uh, intellectual and political force in Egypt. They do not, they don't need support <coughs> from Qatar. We are only for the democratic process in our region. We have to introduce this culture. We need to really work for democracy in our region. This democracy, we can, through democracy, we can combat the terrorism. We can fight against these uh, fundamentalists. If we do not respect the democratic process, then we have a problem in our region. So this is our position towards Muslim brothers. Okay. Um, uh, related to that, Egypt had two revolutions, or revolutions and coups, while Qatar had peaceful transfer of power without elections. Why does Qatar support democracy in other countries without applying it to itself? First of all, we don't say that we are a democratic country, not yet, because we are uh, in the region which is uh, a lot of evolution, uh, democratic evolution in our region. We are trying to take some steps toward democracy. We uh, have a constitution which is uh, giving women rights to be uh, to vote, to be uh, elected. We have uh, uh, expression, uh, freedom of expression in our country. We have uh, free press. 
uh, we are trying to uh, promote the democracy in our country in a way not to create any difficulties for our path toward democracy. But we know in our region, if there is uh, democracy, we are a small country like what uh, we mentioned in the beginning of our, we need this stability. Through democracy, we can have a lot of stabilities in our region. And Qatar is taking a lot of steps toward democracy. We don't have any uh, uh, problem discussing any issue in Qatar. This is something very important. Uh, we are making everybody in Qatar sharing uh, the decision we've been taking in our country. And uh, I think uh, these kind of steps are necessary comparing of what's going on in our region. All right. Um, how can you explain the, the image of Qatar uh, being portrayed as against secularism or liberalism in uh Egypt, uh, as represented, comparatively speaking, by the um, coup, if you want to call it that, led by General uh, Sisi, and the um, widespread pervasive repression of the leadership of the Muslim Brothers and hundreds of its supporters and members. Well, we believe in Qatar that we have to, to be open to everybody, liberal, secular, uh, moderate, uh, Muslims, you know, I think we have to, to speak to everybody. As long as all these political forces are believing on political and democratic process, I think Qatar is open to speak with anybody. And we have to realize that uh, any Islamic movement that they accept certain principle of democracy, like uh, election and sit with a liberal, with a uh, woman role, and uh, respect the minority in our region. So all these uh, criteria, I think we can work together, we can uh, uh, promote uh, our region together, but Qatar is open to everybody, to the seculars, to the liberal, to the most moderate uh, Islamic movement. So we cannot really uh, mix all these the extremists with the moderates together. I think we have to build up a wall between extremism and moderation. And this is the future of our region. Um, how would you explain the long-standing criticism of Qatar since the onset of Al Jazeera uh, that it is uh, free almost without limits to discuss issues controversial and uh, timely and relevant uh, regarding other countries other governments, their policies and positions, 
actions and attitudes, but seldom or uh, to a very small degree uh, do the same with regard to Carter's own policies, positions, actions, and attitude towards issues of consequence. I think, you know, to be fair enough, we have to go and check all these programs in Al Jazeera. You will find there are some uh, criticism of Qatar. They are talking about Qatar foreign policy. When it is important and necessary, Qatar, well, Qatar is a small country. They are not uh, sometimes uh, a lot of things to talk about it, you know, like what's going on in Egypt or in Syria or in other uh, big Arab countries. But uh, uh, as you remember, you know, the Qatar, uh, it was criticized in Al Jazeera that they have good relation with the United States, they have a, a connection with Israel, they are uh, inviting uh, uh, a lot of uh, uh, religious leaders for like Jewish, Christian to meet in Qatar. So everybody is talking about this in Al Jazeera and we, we have to let Al Jazeera be free and to, to choose any subject they want. They want Qatar, want to discuss any issue, any uh, things about Qatar, they are free. We have no difficulties, we have no problems with uh, anybody criticizing Qatar. Because sometimes criticizing Qatar for us, it is positive. You know, we learn something. We, uh, we introduce some reforms in our country when we see that somebody is criticizing and then we look, look, is it true or not? Should we change this or not? So criticizing Qatar for us, it is not sensitive. It is, we uh, appreciate anyone having anything about Qatar to say it uh, freely in Al Jazeera. We have no problem about it. All right. Uh, in a little bit, <coughs> there will be four or five questions about the domestic situation in Qatar, so I'm giving you a heads up. Uh, <laughs> the next one has to do with Syria. Uh, what is the main Qatari goal in the Syrian crisis? What is Doha's strategy in it or towards it? And what do you envision for Qatar's role in the future of Syria, especially if the regime falls? First of all, as you know, we had good relations with Bashar al-Assad before the crisis in Syria and Daraa. We helped a lot we, uh, to, uh, to present Bashar to the international community. We helped him. We invested in Syria. We had excellent relations. So when the crisis started, uh, we tried to help also in the beginning in Dara. We told them, you know, we have to work together. We have to look at this thing seriously. This is, uh, uh, it's not hard to solve this problem, but you have to take some steps. So then uh, the problem started killing people in the street. Then for Qatar, it was very difficult to take this position with Bashar. And we said, you know, this is, uh, we cannot, we have to decide the Syrian people. 
So this is the position of Qatar in the, uh, in the beginning. And we think now uh, the position, uh, we have to help them. We have to uh, uh, work for the future of Syria. And uh, Qatar will continue playing positive role to see Syria uh, unified and to protect the sovereignty of Syria. And the future of Syria is everybody should be uh, integrated in this future of Syria. The, the Alawi, the Christian, the Maguna, the, the Druze, the Sunni, the Shiites, everybody has, and the Kurds, of course, everybody has the right to be part of the future Syria. And this is what we are uh, working for. And Qatar will continue helping uh, Syrian people. Um, I'll turn to my colleague, uh, Patrick Mancino, uh, the National Council's Executive Vice President and Director of Development. Thank you, Dr. Anthony. Thank you, Mr. Ambassador. Uh, for the sake of time here, um, I'm going to co combine the, the question uh, regarding Iran into, into to, into one, uh, how will Iran, or will Iran, uh, benefit from uh, current GCC tensions? Question mark. Uh, and on that, in the same uh, spirit here, do you believe that Iran is turning a new page in its relations with the world, or, as this writer describes, are they just buying time? Question mark. I, first of all, I don't think anybody in the region is benefiting from the tension in the region. Neither Iran nor the GCC countries. I think all of us, we have to work together. And hopefully that uh, the latest development happen in the GCC country should be limited. And uh, we have to think that anything happened to any of GCC countries all the GCC countries will be affected, and uh, Iran, I don't think they are looking for any tension in the region. They are uh, our neighbors, and uh, we're always looking for a good relation with Iran through dialogue, and I think uh, we should continue, and uh, we have to work together in our region because uh, we went through a lot of wars. I think it's enough. We should sit together and talk to each other, and let's have hope for the future. And I think the possibility is uh, uh, very important in this uh, uh, domain. And uh, I served in Iran before as a diplomat for two years. I know the willingness of Iranian people to uh, live in uh, peace, and to have stability in the region. And I think we have to work to that. Regarding the second part, which is about uh, uh, if Iran is playing uh, with time or something. Is, yeah. uh, is Iran just buying time, or are they actually turning a new page in its relations with the world? You know, I think uh, about the negotiation now going on between the United States and Iran, it is very important, it's a very important step. We have to encourage this thing, and uh, uh, we think Iran... <laughs> is uh, very serious, and the United States is very serious also, and the GC country, we want to see this cooperation is uh, leading to really uh, 
larger cooperation between us and the region. Thank you, Mr. Ambassador. Uh, again, for the for the sake of uh, time and, and trying to get to these questions, which are wonderful, um, I'm going to thread these three together. Uh, this one is from someone who uh, his family lives in Gaza, and he says Qatar has taken undue and unfair criticism for providing relief to my home in Gaza. Thank you, Mr. Ambassador, for and the Emir and Sheikh Tamim. Uh, do you see a change in that in the near future? So this is related to Gaza. Uh, second question, uh, how can the Palestinian refugee issue be resolved? And these are the easy, easy, easy questions. Um, um, how long do we have before uh, a two-state solution uh, in Palestine uh, and Israel becomes impossible? Well, uh, regarding the first question about Gaza, we believe in Qatar that if we are going to work for the peace in the region, we have to prepare the ground. We have to have a very solid foundation for economic cooperation in the region. This is something very important. If we do not help uh, Palestinian and also other Arab countries in the, in the region, then we cannot have really, uh, we cannot arrive to solve any problem, political problem in our region. So through economic cooperation, I think we can solve a lot of political dispute and differences. So from this uh, context, Qatar is helping the Palestinian in Gaza. Because once we help Palestinians and we give them hope for life, I think it's we are facilitating the, the, the process for the peace in our region. If we do not have this kind of help and cooperation for the Palestinians, it would be very difficult to strike a deal for the peace in the, in the Middle East between Israelis and uh, Palestinians. Uh, let's help the Palestinian people. Uh, they are in a situation humanitarian very difficult, and uh, I don't think if anyone of you visit Gaza or uh, Ramallah, they will see the situation. It is very, very, very difficult. So I think what we are doing uh, is for sake of the peace in the region. We want to live together, Palestinians and Israelis and the whole Arab countries having a mutual cooperation together. And this is the aim of the foreign policy of Qatar when we help Palestinians in Gaza. We, we want them to really work hard for the peace. This is our objective. And the second one regarding... Uh, Mr. Ambassador, uh, uh, regarding the, the refugees and... The refugees, how we can solve this problem. Yes. I think this, uh, this okay. problem should be solved. Uh, within the framework of the whole global negotiation between the Palestinians and Israelis. How the both sides agree, I think it's... But we have to find a solution for the refugees. This is something very important. I don't think we can leave uh, <coughs> Palestinian refugees in Lebanon and Syria and uh, uh, Jordan and without any solution. But uh, we should look for a solution for this problem. Uh, 
the third one was, uh, uh, how long do we have uh, before a two-state solution uh, becomes, and the writer characterized it as impossible? Well, I think this is the, the only solution uh, visible now is to have a two-state uh, solution in our region for the peace, Palestinian and uh, Israel. This is something very important, and uh, we have to work for it, and we give all support for American initiative, and uh, Secretary of State Kerry, what he's doing. We are appreciating this thing. I think it's very important, and we have to uh, uh, give all support for uh, the negotiation going on, and uh, hopefully we will see a good result. Um, these are five questions that uh, focus on the same <coughs> incident issues and challenges, but uh, stated a little differently and with a little different nuance in each. Uh, has the recall, or how has the recall of ambassadors from Saudi Arabia, the Emirates and Bahrain from Doha, <coughs> been overblown by the media, if you believe it has been overblown by the media, and uh, why? Uh, related, how is Qatar working to restore its relations with <coughs> Saudi Arabia, the Emirates, and Bahrain? Related again, is the current situation between Qatar and its Arab Gulf neighbors, Saudi Arabia, the Emirates, and Bahrain, removing ambassadors, indicative of a deep or superficial division within the GCC? And how can one tell? Uh, next to the last, what is the reason that led to the tension? between Saudi Arabia and the Emirates, and the Bahrain uh, as well. And what is expected of Qatar in order to restore relations to their prior state? And lastly, how would His Excellency uh, characterize Qatar's relationship with Saudi Arabia today in light of la last month's or last week's uh, cancellation of the GCC summit? with President Obama? Well, so many uh, issues. <laughs> uh, let's say, first of all, we regret, you know, what uh, this uh, latest development by withdrawing uh, Saudi Arabia, Emirates, and uh, uh, Bahrain, their ambassador from Qatar. We are surprised, you know. I don't think there is... Uh, reason for uh, for the drawing an ambassador from a, a brotherly, friendly neighbor country which is not posing any threat to any of these countries. It's, uh, it's true there is uh, different views and uh, we are in Qatar, we are encouraging diversified views. You know. says, I think it will enrich our region to have these different views. But we, should, we could be unified in uh, uh, our common interests, strategy in the region, these things, all the GCC countries are unified. But let's be diversified with different views because 
The world's been changed. A lot of things going on in the world. We are not, nobody expects the GCC countries to come with one voice or one idea or one uh, analysis. So we have to live in this thing. I think our region needs that we have to introduce our culture of uh, dialogue, of uh, diversification of views. This is something very important that we have to work for it in the, in the region. Uh, thank you. Uh, I already agree. Uh, the question is not uh, difficult. The answer is difficult. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think uh, this uh, question is very, very de uh, delicate for the whole GCC country. If you look at the public opinion in the GCC now, nobody is happy with this decision. If you don't find a lot of them, they are taking position with Qatar also for promoting uh, dialogue, uh, uh, having all these uh, uh, big projects for the future, for the education, for the, for the uh, young people, they having Al Jazeera. Uh, so why we are punished for this thing? You know, once we have all these big projects for the region, 11 university Qatar brought in the region. We created Al Jazeera. We are uh, inviting a big American institution like Brookings and Rand. They are, they are in Doha. We are uh, making Doha like a, a permanent seminar. Every day there is a conference in Qatar. There is a, an, uh, a meeting. There is a dialogue. So why we are punishing a country which are doing these things for the region? This is, we are surprised. We, we, we don't know why this is. I think uh, we hope this uh, decision is limited. There is no escalation. Because if there is escalation, if there is more decision will be taken, the whole area will be affected, not only Qatar. Qatar is part of this region. Anything happen in this region, it will be spread all over in our, in our, our region. But I think we have confidence in the wisdom of our leaders at GCC. They will think about this thing. They will evaluate. We can live with the diversified views. And uh, this decision was taken for uh, things. It not, has nothing to do with our GCC council. They were talking about Egypt. They were talking about uh, Muslim Brothers. Is inside of uh, GCC countries, I think uh, uh, we can sit together, we can uh, see what's the problem. We are open to discuss any issue these three countries wants to discuss with us. But not to shut down Al Jazeera. This is something I don't think anyone of you here want to, to shut down Al Jazeera. For, for which, which reason? If there are some problems with Al Jazeera, we can discuss this thing with Al Jazeera. We cannot close down uh, Brookings Institute in Doha or Brand. This is something impossible. Why? Because if we, we close it down, we will lose our credibility as 
uh, as a country hosting all these institutions. We have 11 universities. If we close around them, all these 11, they will say, okay, thank you, we are, we are not going to stay in Doha, we will leave. So this kind of thing is very difficult for us to, to take this decision. But if there is other things to discuss, we are very open and we think we have to uh, protect our council. GCC council, it is a great idea. It's, uh, it's a great model in the Arab world because the social uh, fiber between us is more strong than other part in the Arab world. You know, I am I am from Qatar. I have family in Saudi Arabia. I have family in Kuwait. I have family in Bahrain. I have. This is impossible. This leader. If we want to divide these countries, we cannot because the social fiber is very strong. So we hope that this problem will be limited, and uh, Qatar will continue staying in GCC. Will never leave. This is our home. And uh, Qatar did not reciprocate this decision by withdrawing their ambassador from this country. We said, this, hopefully this problem is limited. It can be solved between us because we don't see any reason that this decision was taken. This decision be taken with a country that really uh, posing a threat. You know, if any of uh, students studying uh, uh, freshmen political science will tell you that this decision should be taken against a country which is have different views. That, that's something is not it's not it's not acceptable. So we hope that we can solve this problem between us. We hope that even our friends encourage everybody to accept the diversification of views in the region. This is very important also. Uh, uh, we are ready, we are open to, to solve any problem within GCC. Uh, mm. Mr. Ambassador, your reference to uh, Qatar being uh, an ongoing daily uh, seminar, having one, holding one, uh, is quite relevant in terms of uh, the image, I believe, that reflects reality and one that you want to project. Um, it's in keeping with what we often say, that we're all enrolled in a university from which there's no possible graduation, uh, only on the best of days, uh, and incomplete. Um, and you can see that some of the questions have to do with uh, the region being laced at times with uh, two kinds of oil, turmoil, and the and the other kind. Uh, regarding uh, the former, uh, please describe your country's relationship with Egypt right now, uh, because when the Morsi uh, government came to power, Qatar extended it uh, a significant amount of financial support and assistance. And if recent reports are correct, um, the Sisi government has, if only symbolically, returned a portion of uh, that financial gift as a measure of its displeasure with uh, Qatar's previous support for the Morsi regime. Now, how is that rift or um, disagreement, misunderstanding, tension 
being addressed now, if not fully yet resolved? Well, first of all, let me go back to the previous question about how we evaluate our relation with Saudi Arabia. I think just one part of the question. I think we think that uh, Saudi Arabia is an important country. The stability of Saudi Arabia is the stability for the whole region. And uh, uh, we, uh, we admit that Saudi Arabia is a, a big, important country in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the Gulf, and an uh, important role plays in the Arab and Islamic world. And this is something we have to uh, uh, work with the Saudi Arabia for the stability and, uh, and the peace in, the, in our region. Regarding Egypt, I think we explained that Qatar has nothing to do with the Muslim brothers. Qatar is only for the democratic and political process in Egypt. Uh, we look at the situation now. It is an uh, Egyptian internal uh, affair. Uh, the Egyptian people has to decide whatever they want, and we we wish that all the party concerned they will solve their problem uh, in a democratic and uh, through dialogue. And when Egypt is strong, the whole Arab world is strong. This is something a fact for us and for everybody in the region. So we are continuing to help uh, Egypt economically. We always, even when mercy was changed, Qatar continue helping Egypt. We, we never stop, and we will continue helping, because our help is going to the Egyptian people. This is something very important for us. But what Egyptians now decide in their country through the election, the upcoming election, in, in, in Egypt, through democratic election, Qatar will accept these things because this is Egyptian people who decide, not Qatar, because we want Egypt strong. Egypt play the, uh, the historical role important in the, in the region, because once Egypt is strong, the whole Arab world is strong. And this is something we are working with the Egyptian people to see Egypt play this role. Uh, two domestic-related uh, uh, questions. Uh, one, uh, because so much of us have read only rumors and heard anecdotes, <coughs> how can you explain the context, the background, and the perspective of the emir uh, abdicating in favor of first his son, Sheikh Jassim, uh, when the emir apparently uh, did not have ailing health, uh, nor did his consort, uh, Sheikh Amosa, um, uh, that transition, and then the relatively recent one from Sheikh Jassim to Sheikh Tamim. Um, could you enlighten everyone on how that happened, why that happened, and what are the implications of that transition. It's unique. It's unprecedented in the region. Well, we hope that we are creating a model in our region 
this is something very important. Uh, I think this our constitution gives, you know, uh, the emir, after the emir comes the son, and this is, uh, there is a council, which is uh, uh, clarified in our constitution to give uh, for the son that the emir, he thinks he's the one who can lead the country and this is uh, clarifying our, our, our constitution. So uh, uh, there was uh, uh, the emir, uh, father, he left, he gave the, uh, Sheikh Tamim became uh, the, the new emir. I think this is something we have to, uh, to encourage, appreciate that uh, 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 changing of power uh, happen in a peaceful way and uh, for the interests of their country, for the interests of the, of the region and this uh, kind of uh, changes uh, it is positive and we want to see this is a model uh, in, in, in our region. Um, the next domestic question um is reflective of people's uh, fascination or obsession with current events. And um, in recent days, part of the narrative in the mainstream media has had to do with Qatar's hosting of the FIFA World Cup in 2022. And related to that, issues pertaining to the so-called labor reform movement in Qatar, or to paraphrase it, Qatar's treatment of migrant workers, expatriate workers, alien workers, foreign labor force, overseas contract workers, uh, third country nationals. Those are all near synonyms for the same phenomenon of the overwhelming majority of Qatar's inhabitants not being Qataris. And by far the overwhelming majority of the country's labor force not being Qataris. So, uh, the spotlight, uh, is now on Qatar, but it could as easily be on any of the other six GCC countries where something similar is, uh, part of the reality. Uh, now the searchlight is on Qatar in terms of what is it going to do? What is it doing? to satisfy or lessen the natural automatic criticism of the international media of Qatar's labor situation, and especially the treatment of uh, foreign workers there uh, being, and this is just quoting or paraphrasing the media, bound, tied, nearly serfs to their employers as opposed to uh, having greater freedom to move from one job to the next or be supported by the government instead of by their employer? Well, uh, first of all, let's clarify this point. Regarding their relation with the laborers, we shouldn't confuse two things, the government and the agency of recruitment and the countries of their origin 
and uh, other elements like uh, foreign companies, local companies. So we have all these elements part of this uh, this issue. We don't say that we are not responsible as as a, as a government. We are responsible to create a, a proper uh, condition for these laborers who are coming to help us to develop our country. Uh, but at the same time, we we do not know what's happened to them back home when before they got to Qatar. <coughs> this agency of recruitment, what happened? They overdebted these uh, labor before they came to get this job. Mm -hmm. And this job, this uh, original government also, we have to see how they are facilitating these people to come to, to Qatar. Then when they arrived in Doha, you know, they are coming to work with uh, international companies, they are uh, coming with local companies, some of them they are working with the government, but most of them they are working for the big companies are constructing uh, all these uh, uh, big projects, infrastructure, and uh, uh, the roads. And uh, So I think our duty is to uh, look what our, the government of Qatar can do. We are verifying all these uh, <coughs> uh, contracts which is between them and between the government. We are checking on their uh, uh, condition, uh, work of, uh, condition of work. We are checking in the housing. We are checking in their salary, if they get their salary <coughs> in time or not. We, we doubled our inspectors. We uh, uh, we introduced now reforms recently. Uh, one deputy of the European Union, he announced he was in Doha and he said there is improvement uh, in the labor in Qatar. There are some reforms being introduced. We know that to be uh, hosting a World Cup, usually you are having all these critics you know, coming everywhere. But we we think it's helping us to develop our country's critics and to change some reforms. What we are doing for uh, helping uh, the laborers, you know, Qatar is giving quota for each country in the, the region, in Africa and Asia, to let some of their laborers to come to work in Qatar. So this is something I think uh, you don't find a lot of countries doing this thing, helping people to come to work. We have agreements, bilateral agreements with these countries. We are uh, uh, doing this thing uh, just to like an economic aid. Uh, if we have uh, one uh, labor is coming to work, he's helping behind them 10 people back home. So this is something very important. And you know how, how much money being transferred every year from Qatar to this country through these labors? more than $13 billion going out from Qatar to help these families who are coming, their sons or their fathers coming to work in Qatar. So we have to look at this aspect. The other aspect for the, the condition of work, I think we can work together. We need also to work, uh, coordinate with the companies, international companies, local companies, uh, recruitment, uh, agency 
and the government of these countries the origin who, who sent uh, their uh, laborers to, to work in Qatar. So uh, uh, we announced uh, a list of reforms recently that we are going to, to change uh, a lot of uh, condition of labor. So I think, I think we are uh, taking the right way to see these people who are coming to help us to work. To respect them, to appreciate what they, what they are doing, and our culture, our, our religion. If you not accept, you are bringing people, and you are not treating them well. This is something nobody accept this culturally and according to our religion. This is something uh, this is impossible. Um, it goes without saying, Your Excellency, that uh, no country on this particular issue of heritage treats those who are not citizens but who uh, labor, toil in their economies and societies. Uh, no country is bereft of blemish on this front, uh, my own included, or devoid of defect. Uh, but you were mentioning companies uh, several times here. So if we can switch the focus a bit to uh, the opportunities for which American private sector corporations are particularly well suited and how they're doing, especially given that uh, America for nearly 40 years now has three pieces of legislation that no other country has that make it difficult for the American private sector to invest and work and have employees in another country, namely the anti-Arab uh, boycott legislation, uh, the uh, Foreign Corrupt uh, Practices Act, 1976, first one was 1975, and the amendment to the Tax Reform Act of 1978, which uh, from the point of view of uh, foreign or expatriate American workers abroad, penalizes Americans uh, for working abroad where no other country in the world does that, and it gives France, Germany, Japan, China, Italy, Great Britain, Canada advantages that uh, America cannot blame on others. This is a self-inflicted wound. So how is the uh, United States doing in the private sector relationship with Qatar in terms of trade, investment, technology, cooperation, weight standards measurements, and uh, joint commercial ventures? Well, I think the biggest uh, partner for us uh, in economic uh, uh, field is American companies. Like you know, we have uh, ExxonMobil, we have Occidental, we have uh, other big companies, uh, uh, Boeing. Uh, mm. So this, this, I don't think there is any uh, problem with American companies to come to invest in Qatar. Uh, uh, we are respecting all the uh, international standards and uh, the contract, and uh, I don't think there is any difficulties to, to really uh, uh, have American companies to work. Uh, we are trying to uh, also uh, to see everybody working in Qatar Europeans, Americans, and other countries to come to 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 work and uh, invest in Qatar. 
and mm -hmm. our uh, uh, rules, uh, our incentive for investment is uh, known to a lot of uh, American companies. Uh, they are all the time there is a big uh, meeting in Doha, and we are trying here also in Washington and the United States uh, to meet with everybody to send a delegation. And with us here is Patrick Theris, he's a mm -hmm. Qatari U.S. Uh, business council. He's doing uh, uh, a lot to see this uh, cooperation is uh, getting stronger and stronger. And uh, uh, but we we assure you that uh, we are we are respecting the international standard in all economic cooperation and. Uh, American companies can come sometime and invest 100% in certain uh, uh, fields, certain areas like tourism, education, health. These these areas are open to all American investment to invest uh, 100%. So I think uh, uh, we are giving a lot of uh, incentive for and then taxes and. Uh, in uh, giving facilities also for getting all what uh, their uh, <coughs> big project for them in Doha. So I think uh, they are more than welcome. I don't see any uh, difficulties, any hurdles in front of American companies to come to invest in Qatar. Mm -hmm. uh, it used to be a consensus in this city that one billion dollars of a extra American exports abroad uh, translated into the high figure was 12,000 American jobs. I don't think it's that great, but let's just say half that, 6,000 American jobs, and if the American primary jobs, and if American families are still an average of four, you can see what we're talking about in terms of uh, tens of thousands of jobs generated. And just in the last few days, uh, a $23 billion uh, contract was awarded to American firms having to do with the country's uh, uh, missile uh, defense. And the ambassador was quite uh, correct in calling attention to uh, Ambassador Patrick Theros in the Qatar U.S. Business Council. Some of you who may be here out of curiosity are wondering what the uh, business climate for uh, opportunities to do commerce in Qatar uh, might be, uh, you might want to speak with uh, Ambassador Theros. If you just raise your hand, Patrick. He's right here in the in the second uh, row afterwards. And if uh, there's someone here from the Cutter Foundation uh, having to do with uh, human resource development and uh, educational exchange, um, uh, that too would, would invite a dialogue. And I just, just wanted to add, uh, would the representatives from Cutter Foundation International just stand and be recognized? Thank you for coming. And I know that there's somebody here from the White House. Um, if she's still here, would you stand and be recognized? We are happy to have women. And they're all, all wonderful women uh, that are doing just a great job. And, and I'd like to welcome our, our person from the White House here. Thank you for, uh, for coming uh, and, and joining us. Um, Dr. Anthony, sorry. No, uh, just a point on this. Uh, I don't think it's uh, appreciated what Qatar has done in this educational uh, field. I remember in the late 1990s when uh, Her Highness uh, Sheikha Moza came to the United States for around six weeks and went 
all around the United States looking for blue ribbon American universities that might wish to partner with uh, Cutter. <laughs> the story I'm told of her visit to uh, Harvard to establish a branch in Cutter was reacted to negatively, but politely and diplomatically by saying, lady, uh, we can't even establish a branch across town. Uh, so the idea of having one in Qatar is just a non-idea. Um, Harvard uh, grew to regret that <laughs> and tried to um, make up for the loss by having something in Dubai, Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. But um, I'm from Richmond, Virginia, and the first uh, university to have that exchange was Virginia Commonwealth University. I went to night school there a long time ago. But I went to the... Um, the inauguration of them all. Texas A&M has the four or five engineering uh, colleges, uh, mechanical, civil, electrical, petroleum, and chemical. Uh, Carnegie Mellon has two, uh, information technology and business administration. And uh, Northwestern, the most recent one, journalism and mass communications. And uh, Cornell has the Wheel School of, of Medicine. And uh, Georgetown University uh, has Diplomacy and Foreign Relations uh, School of Foreign Service. And there, there are several others from Great Britain, uh, as well as Australia and uh, possibly China or, or France. Uh, I'm unaware of, of those. Now, what this has done is has jumped over what used to be fashionable and the consensus of having one's child have a junior year abroad or semester abroad. We're talking about four years in these universities with the same admission standards, same graduation standards, same trans transcript standards as their home universities. In the, there's no other place, not just in the Arab countries, the Middle East, the Islamic world like that. There's no other place on the planet that's done something like that. And it used to be fashionable to have a Fulbright Fellowship or a Rhodes Scholarship. This has jumped over those as well in terms of the length and the breadth and the depth of the substance and the intensity and the extent of this cross-cultural international educational experience. Um, it's not given the credit it's due. This is truly revolutionary in terms of what Potter has done on the educational front. Uh, Mr. Ambassador, um, related to the, the question of education, how do you envision uh, the future of uh, education in, in, in Qatar vis-a-vis uh, -vis the United States uh, and vice versa? Uh, and many of our students have asked about the possibility of having a, uh, and we know they do the model United Nations in Doha, but they've, they've, they've lobbied us for a model Arab League in Doha. So we hope that uh, you, you could react to that also. Uh, first of all, uh, education for Qatar is a big challenge because we see the future of Qatar is going to be through building a strong educational base in Doha. For this reason that uh, we created Qatar Foundation and City of Education, which is uh, hosting uh, 11 international university, Americans, uh, British, French, Canadian. So this university, uh, they give 
chance, it created a lot of uh, chances, a lot of opportunities for young people, not only in Qatar, in the whole region, all the students in our region and beyond our region. They came from Pakistan, from India, from Asia, from Africa to study in Qatar. I think through education, we are going to uh, build up the future Qatar. You know, this is our our vision. Uh, and we think through education that uh, we can fight against terrorism also. We can reduce tension in the region by having hope for young people to see that there is chance for them to work, to study, and to find a job. This is something important for us. And thanks to Qatar Foundation, they created a fund. It's called Celtic. This fund is giving scholarship, this uh, fund for $100 million, and open for all Arab students in the region with a good note, good performance to uh, have scholarship and to go to study everywhere they want, in Europe, in America, in, uh, Arab countries. And we, after they graduated, they have job guarantee for these people who got this scholarship. So something is very important that what Qatar is doing in the region. Uh, education for us, it is the future, and we are building our country through this big institution, big universities, and uh, we are helping the region as a whole. Uh, we are investing a lot in education. The biggest investment uh, in Qatar is in, in education. This is something very important for us. And bringing this to a close, I think uh, one can say that whereas so many uh, uh, previously perceived Qatar as a gas station, not a country, uh, it very much is uh, on the map as, as a country uh, worth uh, greater in-depth study. And where many perceived it as a mountain of money, uh, it's now additionally perceived or more fairly and accurately perceived as the heir of an extraordinarily rich uh, Arab and Islamic culture. Uh, in the West, in the United States in particular, people refer to Americans and Westerners and North Americans being the heirs of the Judeo-Christian culture. And this is true, but only two-thirds true. Uh, we in the West are the heirs of the Judeo-Christian Islamic culture and far more recently of the Islamic culture, and more extensively uh, of the Islamic culture than most Americans are even beginning to be aware of. And we're speaking of a region that's the crucible of culture for the Western world, uh, the cradle of civilization uh, for the Western world, uh, the crossroads of three continents, Africa, Asia, and Europe, some days appearing like the traffic jam of the devout, uh, and adjacent to part and parcel of what is no doubt the epicenter of prayer and pilgrimage, of faith and spiritual devotion uh, for fully a quarter of humanity. Uh, we began this seminar with the 
focus on Qatar understood and Qatar misunderstood. Qatar, as a result of this, is less misunderstood and much better understood, thanks to His Excellency, the Ambassador. Thank you.